come we don't keep ammonites in the tropical fish tank? For the same disappointing reason, we won't be digging into a medium rare stegosaurus steak for dinner. This is because they are extinct. An extinction occurs when the last of any species is dead. The media occasionally mentions something about how the earth is going through the sixth great mass extinction caused by us homo sapiens. But hey, no big deal. Have you heard about Into shopping centres going bankrupt though? Hold on, did you say sixth? There have been five more? Well, yes, they have all come and gone over Earth's long history, and each mass extinction has brought on a new chapter in the evolution of life. The extinction of the dinosaurs is the one we all know and love. Popular media portrays a picture of an apocalyptic meteorite slamming into the Earth, which is a great image, but that is only half of the story. Why the dinosaurs died out is a lot less simple and far more nuanced than a big fiery ball of death. And this is how all extinctions boil down. Not one big event, but a series of small events that keep piling on the pressure until the ecosystem collapses and everything just ends up dead. In other words, the straw that broke the camel's back. Life that can adapt and survive the extinction event go on to dominate the new world. So, from dinosaurs lording it over the land, we now live in a world dominated by mammals. And it's thanks to that meteorite, and other cherished ecosystem pressures I might add, we have the world as we know it, podcasts and all. Yet extinctions are not just confined to big events. They happen all of the time, and are a very natural thing. 95% of all species that have become extinct became extinct due to background extinction. Now, background extinction is the technical term for species naturally dying out. That can happen for a number of reasons, maybe through being outcompeted by a new animal on the block, maybe a natural disaster which could wipe out a local species, or even just a disease. Theoretically, there are species alive today which are slowly dying out because of background extinction. Problem we have is, humanity's reach is so wide that the likely cause of any extinction now is down to us. And sometimes that extinction caused by us can be by complete accident. For example, the dodo. We all know the dodo, as dead as a dodo. And there is a reason we say that. And that's because it's dead. It was a bit of an unfortunate species, as it was a bird who forgot how to fly. It lived on the island of Mauritius, which is just located off Madagascar, which is just located off Africa. There it evolved and was perfectly adapted for sauntering around on the ground. That all changed when humans discovered the island. Mauritius became a convenient stopover for humans on the way to India and further east. It soon became settled and people brought over pigs and the stowaways, rats. The rats and pigs developed a taste for the local delicacy of dodo eggs. After all, they were just lying around on the ground. And the once abundant dodo was dead in less than 200 years, after the arrival of man. Not our finest moment. Unintended harm or not, these kind of pressures upon the natural world have caused scientists to declare we are the cause of Earth's sixth mass great extinction, which has been, is and shall happen throughout our lives.
I didn't say this was going to be an optimistic episode. So, if we are in a mass extinction event, what makes a mass extinction? Because, to be honest, it doesn't feel like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, death, famine, war and conquest are heading down the road. And yes, I am aware that during 2020 we have seen unprecedented swarms of locust, flooding, fire, plague and protest around the world. When 2020 has passed, I hope this line is a little more relevant. But putting 2020 to one side, this mass extinction feels very sublime. And that is because mass extinctions take time. They don't typically happen in the space of a few decades or even lifetimes. Mass extinctions usually take a few million years. The Devonian extinction took two to three million years. As for an actual definition, well, that is a bit of a grey area, and has been since the early 1800s when Georges Cuvier suggested life may go through natural revolutions. There is no number, such as over 50% and it's a mass extinction and under a well, it's just background radiation. No, none of that. However, more recently, it has been noted that during these big events, both marine and terrestrial life both appear to be affected at about the same amount. In smaller events, you seem to get decoupled extinctions where only one realm will be affected. However, the broad definition we are using is probably the one you're already thinking about. A lot of extinctions in a very short space of geological time, above and below water. And this makes sense, because when you look at a graph of total extinctions, plotted alongside geological time, you see large sudden spikes. And those spikes are our mass extinctions. See Raup and Sepkowski 1982 or 86 for the graph. So, if we are in the sixth mass extinction, what about the other five? Let's dive in. First up, we have the End Ordovician Extinction. This was at the end of the Ordovician period. The clue's kind of in the name. This is where 60% of all life died out. It started around 445 million years ago and lasted for around 2 million years. Some would say longer. It was caused by the beginning of an ice age, which caused such glaciation the sea level fell by 70 to 100 metres. Not bad if you're a land animal. But they didn't exist yet, as 99% of all life at the time was confined to the sea. So not bad if you're a fish as you can just float down. But they didn't exist yet either. Coral reefs on the other hand, now they did exist, and they were decimated. A drop in global temperature, mass glaciation and sea level fall might sound like a mixed bag of misfortune. But life adapted very well. The final nail in the coffin really came when all this happened again, but in reverse. So temperatures rose, ice melted and the seas went back up. This was far too much change far too quickly. On a quick side note, a sea level rise of 100 metres would flood London, Cardiff, Manchester, Glasgow and most of Edinburgh. Next up we have a Devonian extinction. Very little is understood about it, but what we do know is that it started around 382 million years ago 
and lasted in the region of 2 to 3 million years. Nobody can agree on the cause. Volcanoes, meteorites and sea level rise are all throwing their hats into the ring on this one. But later on, during the extinction crisis, the supercontinent of Gondwanaland moved down to the South Pole. Oh, what was that? Supercontinent of Gondwanaland? Well, yes, it was Africa, Australia, Antarctica and India all combined into one giant landmass. As a result of Gondwanaland occupying the worst real estate on the planet, was it caused an ice age? No sooner had it moved in, it was covered in a layer of ice and cooling things down for everybody else. What a bad neighbour. This was just another straw for the camel's back. The Permian. Extinction number three. I should probably quickly mention life recovered between all of these extinctions. After all, things have to get better again so they can get much worse. And much worse they became. The Permian extinction was the biggest of all. It occurred 254 million years ago and it killed 82% of all life. That is pretty phenomenal. At the time, all of the continents of the world were joined up and it was called Pangaea. You may have heard of it. Which means one world. Because it was so vast, it was difficult for rain to penetrate deep into the supercontinent. Imagine being a rain cloud. It's far easier for you just to rain coastally than travel inland for tens of thousands of miles. And so most of Pangaea was a vast, hot, dry desert. Not ideal for life, but life did exist. And on land this time. Dimitridons were the dominant land animal. Almost like a giant lizard with a sail on its back. What caused the extinction this time were volcanoes, and subsequently global warming. The Siberian traps, which were based in Siberia, funnily enough, were the main culprit. It was the largest volcano field ever in Earth's history, and during its lifetime, it was estimated to have extruded over 1.8 million cubic miles of lava, covering 4.0 million kilometers squared to a depth of 400 to 3,000 metres, with all this taking place in possibly the short span of 600,000 years. Even a million years would be quite quick, to be fair. Now, the volcano was not the only cause. In fact, there were many other factors too, but the Siberian traps, coupled with low sea levels and extremely hot, dry climate, you have a recipe for disaster. Which is how we hit the record breaker. 82%. That is a pretty full-on extinction. Next up, we have extinction number four, the Triassic. Now, the Triassic is where the fun begins and we see the evolution of dinosaurs. Beginning around 228 million years ago, the Triassic extinction killed around 56% of life. And the best bit is nobody is even sure why. It is the least well-understood extinction. At the time, Pangaea was breaking apart into the beginnings of the continents we know today. That caused some volcanism. The sea at the time was falling and there may have been a meteorite. But nobody really knows, it's just lots of contesting really. So let's move on to the final extinction. The one we've all been waiting for. Extinction number five, the Cretaceous. This is the one with the big meteorite and the dinosaurs. In comparison to the Permian, 
where 82% of all life died out, the Cretaceous extinction only killed a cool 47% of life. That is still just under one out of every two animals dying out now. So, in a hypothetical world where one can survive, which would you choose? Cats or dogs? I would also allow for bring back the woolly rhino, in which case the other two are just bin to extinction. So turning your attention away from the woolly rhinos and back to the podcast, the Cretaceous is famous for the big meteorite impact. And that is partially correct. Only paleontologists believe that explanation is a bit too simple to cause the complete ecological collapse of the entire planet. Instead, they prefer the idea of one or more meteors, more sea level fall and more supermassive volcanoes. All combined. It may seem a little overkill to us outsiders as a meteorite the size of the UK hitting Earth would certainly put a stop to your weekend plans. But it wasn't enough for the paleontologists, so they've opted for overkill. The supervolcano involved this time was the Deccan Traps of India. It is believed they erupted so much it began producing acid rain killing any local vegetation. And by local, I mean areas the size of small countries. Along with this came the gases exhumed. This began to cause a long-term cooling effect upon the planet. And now enters top stage right, a giant meteorite causing a nuclear winter. And that was basically the end of the dinosaurs. You may be glad to hear that that is the final extinction. Or mass extinction. Other lesser extinctions did occur. In fact, there was a small one during humanity's early history. That's the one that wiped out our woolly mammoth friends. What I like most about these mass extinctions are that they follow a kind of pattern, out with the old and in with the new, as each time we see life evolve in a new and arguably more advanced way. At the end of the Ordovician, we see the evolution of fish and jaws for chewing food. At the end of the Devonian, we see the rise of the amphibians and those first steps on land. The Permian ushered in the age of reptiles, replacing the amphibians as the dominant land family. And then the Cretaceous replaced the reptiles with the mammals. You may have also noticed that it was the same few reoccurring environmental changes that caused all the problems. And that's because they are all linked. But that's really something else we'll need to take a look at on another day. Because that's a whole new kettle of fish. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Natural History Podcast.